My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. So uh, if you got your Bibles, grab your Bible and head over to Mark chapter 8. Uh, we're in the middle of Mark chapter 8 today. This is week 74 of our indeterminate length series on Mark. Uh, Julie and I were talking uh, last week after the lesson was over, and we came to the realization that we're going to go through Mark, uh, should our current schedule hold, about the same speed that the disciples themselves did. So uh, if you think this is too slow, this is about the speed that they went through it as well. So just some food for thought there. So a couple of uh, notes before we move into uh, our lesson today. If you're looking for a handout for today's lesson, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and uh, click on the, the links there at the bottom uh, to get the handout for today's lesson. Uh, and I would also encourage you to grab uh, your Bible. So make sure you've got a handout in the Bible and you'll be all set for uh, today's lesson. So let's say good morning to some folks. We've got good morning to the Denims, the Landers, the Johnsons from North Carolina. So on vacation and dialing into Sunday school. Well done. And happy 40th wedding anniversary. That's a, it's an amazing achievement that you've had there, Sherry. Um, it's truly incredible to put up with Mitch for that long. So well done. Uh, hello to the Barbers and the Greggs in North Carolina. We had a lot. North Carolina is representing this morning. That's fantastic. And, uh, and Barry Cole rolled over, so that's good. I didn't see you comment before uh, Julie posted the handout. I wasn't sure you were going to be here today. So, All right, so if you've got your Bibles, let's head over to uh, Mark chapter 8. And uh, what we will do is uh, we will take a look at uh, reading through all of Mark chapter 8. But uh, while I'm reading through, be thinking about you know, the question of the week, uh, the same question every week, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Uh, so what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So here is uh, Mark chapter 8. In today's lesson, we're right on the heels of uh, Jesus' teaching about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And we move into the section on Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. So Mark chapter 8. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat, and went to the other side. 
Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I first broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he sent him home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I've been excited about today's uh, text for quite some time. Um, reading through the Gospel of Mark in one sitting is something that I would strongly encourage you to do on a regular basis. Uh, any of the books of the Bible that you're studying, one of the simplest and most helpful ways to understand what the author is doing as well as the individual details and how they relate to what the author is doing is to sit in one time and read through the entire book. Uh, most folks can read through the Gospel of Mark in about 45 minutes. Um, if you're a quick reader, you might do it in 35. If you're a slow reader, it might take you an hour. Uh, but it's about 45 minutes long. And one of the things that you notice when you're in in, in a reading of the entire Gospel of Mark is that everything begins to shift in chapter 8. Uh, Jesus has led and walked his disciples to this point of beginning to see who he really is. And uh, Lord willing, in next week's lesson, we will get to this, Jesus says it plainly, what he was sent to do. 
And this lesson today, verses 22 through 26, is the last thing that Jesus does and shows them before he begins to reveal who he is and what his mission really is about. So as we look at the structure of the Gospel of Mark, today's lesson, I believe, is actually a microcosm. It's a picture. It's a, if you'll pardon the pun, a visual, if you will, of the entire Gospel of Mark and what Jesus is doing, of how he takes the disciples from a place of darkness into a place of seeing clearly. So have that in your mind as we're moving through the text today. I think it might be helpful um, as we go through. So let me greet some more folks here. So we've got uh, Barry Cole again. Yes, I saw that you're here, Barry. Uh, the Arnolds are here. Uh, Brittany Janika is here. Hey, Brittany, good morning. Um, the Archers are here. And Brian Willard. Hey, Brian, good morning. Good to have you this morning. Uh, so I've got two folks on the couch here uh, in my living room with me. So hello, Julie. Hello, Caleb. Uh, and then uh, I know there's several of you that, that watch faithfully that don't comment that you're here, so we welcome you as well this morning. Thank you for being here. So uh, this morning we're looking at, uh, starting at verse 22, so we'll jump right into the text here. So verse 22 says, And they came to Bethsaida. And Bethsaida may be a place that you're familiar with. It may be a place you're not familiar with. Um, but the idea here behind Bethsaida, if, you've, if you look at the map in the back of your Bible, is this is on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. So he's, he's coming kind of closer back to his uh, Galilean ministry location. Um, and uh, if, if you ever look at a, an outline from a commentator about the Gospel of Mark, um, it, it's actually a, a tough book to outline if you ignore the geography. If you ad adhere and pay attention to the geography, it's a relatively easy book to outline. I haven't talked about a lot of that yet. We'll get to that as he starts to transition. Um, but his physical location is actually one of the easiest ways to break up the Gospel of Mark into different pieces and look at how he engages people in this place versus that place versus this place. So we've seen uh, Bethsaida. Uh, it's not Bethesda. It's Bethsaida. Um, the, a, a Jewish person would say Bethsaida. Um, but uh, in chapter 6, this was where Jesus went up on the mountain to pray and we saw him looking out over into the Sea of Galilee, looking at the disciples as they were struggling on the water, and the, the storm came up to them. So this was, uh, we've already been to this place. This is, you know, Mark set the stage here as this is a place of uh, thoughtful prayer. This is a place of Jesus being aware and being able to see things very clearly. So that, that motif of seeing things is continued here in the text today. Uh, of Bethsaida. So we get, uh, they came to uh, Bethsaida in verse uh, 22, 22, continuing, and some people brought to him a blind man. Um, and, and what I, I want you to notice real quick, so the, the words some people are not actually in the original text. Uh, these, are, uh, these are words that are added to help us with our English flow of the language. Otherwise, it just says, and brought uh, him a blind man which you kind of wonder, well, who? Well, they, they don't know who, so the ESV translators just said some people because somebody would have brought him. So some people brought to him a blind man. This word for blind means opaque or, or smoky or, or just outright blind. Um, I, I do want you, as part of your homework for this week's lesson, to go and to look at those verses that I've highlighted there on the handout, verse uh, 1046, 1049, and 1051. That's the, the next story 
in the Gospel of Mark about a blind man. And I want you to contrast what Jesus tells this blind man at the end of their encounter versus what Jesus tells that blind man at the end of their encounter. And I want you to, I want you to think through the question, why would the direction be different? So we'll just let that roll around for a bit. So some people brought to him a blind man and uh, begged him to touch him. So this word for begged is uh, parakaleo. This is the very similar word to the, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. This, uh, this moving, this calling, this drawing. Uh, this word means anything from to call near, to implore, to exhort. Um, it shows up a lot in the Gospel of Mark. And it's interesting to note that this verse is the last time this word shows up in Mark's Gospel. Um, so this, this imploring, this drawing, uh, this is almost always used of somebody who wants something out of Jesus, who's asking him to heal. Uh, we've talked about this several times through our study of the Gospel of Mark, but Jesus was shockingly well-known at this time. Um, everybody in these areas knew who he was. They knew what he was capable of doing. They had heard the stories about his healing. Um, he, he was a, a rock star on the healing circuit, if you will, because his actually worked. It wasn't some sleight of hand. It wasn't uh, what we see on TV today with uh, so-called faith healers. Um, this was the real thing, and word gets out about the real thing. So these people... Uh, begged him, uh, Hina, in order that they had a purpose to doing this, to touch him, to touch this blind man. The, the word touch is in the subjunctive mood. This is that they, they believed that this was a possibility. It's, it's not in the optative. They didn't believe this was a remote possibility. They believed this was a real possibility of something happening. Um, we get to see just a glimmer of their degree of faith by the verb parsing that Mark uses here, which I, I think is just wonderful because we get to peek behind the curtain around what Mark really thought, what the Holy Spirit was communicating to us about these people's faith. So they begged him to touch him, verse 23. I'm at the top of page 255 in the handout. Uh, and he took the blind man uh, by the hand. This word took is a, it's, it's not a, the, the, the definition means to seize, but it's not a violent seizing. Uh, it's, a, it's a seizing for, in order to help. Uh, it's the idea of I'm, I'm assisting you. Um, so the, the idea that we have here is that these, these people brought this blind man to Jesus and Jesus took over the guiding and leading process by holding his hand. So this was a very hands-on, this was a very uh, tactical, this was a very uh, touch-based, we're, we're engaging directly with the need is what Jesus is doing here. So Jesus takes the blind man by the hand and uh, led him out of the village. And you, you might be wondering, well, Why'd he go out of the village? Well, I, I think he's setting an example here, but I don't, I don't want to push too hard into that until we, I walk you through several other things. So he, he leads him out of the village, and then we get to this very curious statement, and when he had spit in his eyes. So um, think about this for a second. So you're a blind man. Uh, you've got some folks that may or may not have been your friends that lead you to where this healer is. You've heard about this healer, what he can do. He takes you by the hand and he starts walking you out of the village. And if I'm a blind man, I might be wondering, where are we going? What are we about to do? Uh, this seems kind of odd. 
<clears throat> and then all of a sudden, he spits in your eyes. Now, at the risk of sounding uh, rude or inappropriate, think for just a second, the blind man couldn't see that coming. And we don't have any indication that Jesus told him, I'm not trying to make a joke, I promise you. I'm just trying to put yourselves in the shoes of the blind man here for a second. But we don't have any indication that Jesus told him what he was going to do. Spits in his eyes. <clears throat> and it's not just one, because the word specifically used here for eye is plural. So he spits in both of his eyes, and then he laid his hands on him. And this word for laid is to impose. Um, I'll give you another piece of homework here. Those, those verses that I have highlighted for uh, the word impose, it's, it's a beautiful morph of how this word uh, uh, changes in its application, not necessarily in its definition. The definition of the word stays the same the whole way, but how this word is used throughout Mark's gospel, uh, how Jesus imposes his hands, how, how he imposes, uh, sorry, how he imposes his uh, names on the apostles, how he imposes his hands, and how he empowers them to impose their hands on others. It's a, it's a beautiful transition. Uh, it's another one of the reasons I love this particular text, uh, Mark 8, 22 to 26. So Jesus laid his hands, uh, it laid his, both his hands uh, on him, and he asked him, do you see anything? And this word asked is in the imperfect. So this is uh, action that's continuously or repeatedly happening in past time. So this wasn't a one-time ask, do you see anything? This was, do you see anything? 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 And all the while we think that he has his hands on him still and the spit still in his eyes. It's a very interesting scene. And when you think about how many times Jesus asked the disciples, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you understand? Do you see what you need to see? Do you, do you hear what you need to hear? Do you, do you not have eyes and ears? Do you not understand what's going on? I think we see the parallel story here with what's going on with this blind man. He personally engages. He leads him outside the city where they can be alone. He uh, asks him questions. We see this very similar concept with uh, pattern with the disciples themselves. So he laid his hands on him. And he asked him, do you see anything? So he's checking for understanding. He's checking for what this man's perspective is on the reality around him. Because I want you to stop and just focus on just a second. Just because the blind man couldn't see what was around him didn't change the reality of what was around him. There was still a world around him that he just couldn't see clearly. He couldn't engage with in a way that everybody else engaged with because his perspective, what he could see, was different. So verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see people. I'm not going to make a I see dead people joke here. I told Julie I would not do that, so I did not make that joke right there. But he looked up, um, and we don't know that if this was the, the first time this man ever saw we don't know that if he was born blind or what his status was, if this was some injury that he became blind. Uh, but if it was his first time looking up, uh, what a really cool thing to see. Uh, he was close to Jesus. He was close to the one that had just partially restored his sight. But this, this wasn't 
fully restored. I want you to look at the, uh, the verses there that I've highlighted. Um, the, uh, the, the word itself, um, uh, anablepo, can have two different definitions, as I've listed here on the, uh, on the handout. So one is to look up, and the other is to recover sight. I would argue, uh, humbly, that uh, to recover sight might have been a better translation to use here, but it might have been to look up either. I, I, I think you could, the context, you could go either way on this. But I want to show you how this word is used elsewhere in Mark's gospel. So if you go back to 641, Mark 641, uh, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. So this is Jesus looking up to the heavens. Uh, Mark 7, 34, uh, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha. All right, so again, Jesus looking up. Uh, then we see the 8, 24, the instance that's here. If you go to 10, 51, <clears throat> this is the other uh, blind man. This is Bartimaeus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me, and then the word that's used here is uh, anablepo, recover my sight. Obviously, the blind man wouldn't have asked him, Lord, let me look up. That's, that's a silly request, right? You've got the one who, who made all things in front of you, who can do all things in front of you. You wouldn't ask him to let you look up. You would ask him to let you recover your sight. Uh, and then verse 52, and Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has anablepoed you. I'm sorry, keep going. And immediately he recovered his sight. That's the anablepo there. He recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And then the last time this is used is Mark 16, verse 4. This is a cool one. I'll start with verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. I like the last time that it's used there. It's a great example of Jesus providing once again for his followers to be able to do what he's called them to do. But this word, uh, anablepo, he, he looked up or he recovered his sight and he said, notice that this too is in the imperfect. So this is repeatedly being said. I, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. And this, this imperfect makes Jesus's uh, this is, I'm not talking about the imperfection of Jesus. I'm talking about the imperfection, the imperfect mood or tense that Jesus, of the verb that Jesus is using. Jesus is perfect. But the imperfect verb that the blind man is using, I guess he's partially blind at this point, uh, makes the imperfect verb that Jesus was using make a lot of sense. There was the, what do you see? I see people walking around, but they look like trees. What do you see? I see people walking around, but they look like trees. What do you see? I see people walking around, but they look like trees. What do you see? I see people. So there was this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth that was going on between Jesus and the blind man. Now, I'm going to stretch just for a second here because the blind man could have said these people look like anything. 
I would argue that this man became blind at some point in his life because he understood what a tree looked like, because he made a comparison between something that he didn't see a few minutes earlier and something that he could see at this point. So they appear like trees, like dendrons. If you've studied science, you know this is a root word used often in botany. Uh, walking, like trees walking. Now, can you imagine that the first thing that you've seen either in your entire life or in quite some time, is you think it's people, but they're, they look like trees walking around. It, it would be plausible to ask, what have you done to me? <laughs> Right before I couldn't see anything, and now people look like trees walking around. There's a like, what is going on here? And I want you to see, he's not got his sight fully restored yet. He's just beginning to be aware of his surroundings. He's starting to make comparisons between things that really you wouldn't use a lot of comparisons for. When was the last time you compared a person as a tree walking around? Probably not a comparison you've ever heard made before. So he's getting there, he's getting there, but he's not there yet, right? So Jesus is, what do you see? And I see people, trees walking around. Then Jesus, the word Jesus actually isn't in the text. The word he is the the word in the text, but this is added for clarity. Then Jesus uh, laid or placed his hands on his eyes again. He didn't spit again. He just laid his hands on his eyes again. I, I like the reason, I, I like the fact that Jesus didn't spit again because it wasn't about the spit. And it, quite frankly, wasn't about his hands. It was about the healing power of Jesus, however he wants to do it, whatever rate he wants to do it with. So he lays his hands on him again and he opened his eyes. This word is he recovered his full vision. The The word is actually diablepo, it's to, to look through the sight. You can see everything all the way through clearly at this point. And his sight was restored. And this is a miracle. This is a beautiful thing, right? He was uh, reconstituted. Uh, this word shows up in Mark's gospel earlier in Mark verse three, uh, Mark chapter three, verse five. Jesus says, uh, "This is the man with the withered hand." And he looked around them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts, and said to the man, "Stretch out your hand." He stretched it out. And his hand was restored. It was put back into its full use as it was designed to be. All right, I'm looking at the comments here real quick. Yeah, I agree, Dave. I, I think he I think he did have sight at some point in his life, and that was why he was making that comparison, I agree. Um, so his sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. So I want to. I have made this point before in Mark's gospel, and I want to. I want to hammer it home really clearly here. Um, that that when Jesus heals, he doesn't heal like well, that's good enough. Like you can get by with that degree of function, right? You, you, that like forty percent function, that's good enough. Uh, and if you go to a doctor today, if you have uh, any type of chronic pain or chronic illness, uh, the doctor will tell you their goal is not one hundred percent resolution, because they can't promise those types of things. But Jesus can. He absolutely can. And he's the only one that can, which is why we can have confidence in him. Now, his timetable might not be our timetable, but that's up to him. He's the sovereign king of the universe. That's not ours to decide. That's ours to trust and his to 
uh, authoritatively declare. So he says everything clearly. This word everything shows up in Mark 16, 15. I know we're flipping around a lot today. This is what Bible study is. Uh, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, this may be a familiar verse to you, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Everything. It's a beautiful word. He saw everything clearly or plainly. Verse 26. And he sent him to his home. And you might be thinking, uh, why did he send him to his home? And I would argue that the answer to that is partially in the next passage in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus uh, engages the disciples and Peter says, you are the Christ. And he charges them to tell no one about him. And then in verse 31, everything switches. This is the begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, clearly to them. Their eyes were beginning to be opened at this point to understand who he was, what he was doing, how all of this worked together. Because up to this point, they had had a little bit of partial vision as to what was going on. But if you look at the questions they asked, it really was kind of close to everything looks like trees. These, these people look like trees walking around Jesus. What's going on? And Jesus responds with, do you not understand? Do you not see clearly? Do you not hear? You've got eyes and ears. Do you not get it? And they didn't. So what Jesus does is the master teachers, he goes back to very, very basic things in verse 31, and he lays it out for them. He walks them through. This is who I am. You've just seen Peter declare that a couple of verses earlier. This is what I was come, this is what I've come to do, and this is how these things begin to fit together. And we see Jesus opening up the eyes of the disciples here and their understanding, I think, in a way that is vividly portrayed by how he engages the blind man in uh, 822 to 26. I think it's a beautiful picture of the disciples' discipleship, of their understanding of who Jesus is. And I think it's a great reminder for us to be really, really patient with people that are coming to know who Jesus is. Not everybody has the immediate light switch go on and, oh, he is the Christ. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and I should repent of my sin and place my faith in him. There are a lot of people that come to Christ slowly over time, and there's this element of progression, uh, progressive revelation of God's allowing people to understand more and more and more about who he is and who Jesus is. And then they, oh, I see plainly, I see clearly. So I, I think there's a challenge in this text for us not to put God on our timetable, uh, not to rush the sovereign ruler of the universe. He knows exactly what he is doing, uh, far beyond anything that we could. So back to uh, this verse at the top of uh, 257. He, he sent him to his home, saying, and this is a present active participle, so he said this, repeatedly. Do not even enter the village. Don't, don't go to the village. Don't, don't go to the village. Don't, don't go 
to the village. Don't go to the village. And if we know anything about the uh, efficacy of Jesus' warnings to those he has just healed, uh, very rarely do they actually listen and do what he tells them to do. Uh, Very often they go and they proclaim loudly. And Jesus then has to leave that area because that's not what he was intending to occur at that time. Uh, This message was intended to be uh, kept rather tight and close together until it was time for it to explode. And when it exploded, boy, it exploded. It was beautiful. Uh, So he sent him to his home saying repeatedly, uh, do not even enter into the village. That was not the path that Jesus had for this man. That's an interesting question, Chris. Could it be that the first what do you see referred to physical sight? Let's go back and look at the text. And the second what do you see referred to seeing Christ. So the first was do you see anything? Right? So he's going back and forth with do you see anything? And the I see people walking around. He lays his hands on him. Right? I don't know that I would go that far because I don't know that the text says that Jesus asked him that question after he laid his hands on him. Um, possibly it could have been. I mean, so th- this is Albert and I were texting last night about this concept. You know, John Piper's got a, a famous quote, the God at any given time is doing about 10,000 things in our lives. And on a good day, we might be aware of like three of them. So I, I, I don't want to say absolutely not. That's not what Jesus was doing in the middle of him modeling for us, getting us a visual of what the disciples' discipleship looked like. It is, it is very possible that is, that is true. I, I don't know that the text is clear enough on that to be able to go, yes, wholeheartedly uh, positive. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's take a look at our application and personalization. So just a few of each today. Uh, what is the point? Application number one. Uh, Jesus can heal immediately or in stages, right? So up to Mark chapter 8, we had seen him do all the immediate healing, the touch and you're whole, speak and you're whole, uh, lift up and you're back from uh, sleeping or the dead. And we hadn't seen anything like this yet. Uh, This is different. Uh, This is a bit slower, still within probably a few minutes but uh, not instantaneous as his other healings were. So what do we do with that? We'll trust him no matter what his speed. Trust him no matter what his speed. Um, one of the things that, that our Father has promised to us is a new body one day. A body that is not broken by the effects of sin, a body that is not broken by the effects of our poor decisions, a body that is not broken because genetically it is just flawed, but a flawless body that we can live in forever uh, in the presence of our God. And the timing of God's healing of us will vary from person to person, but for the believer, it is a guarantee. It is going to happen for the believer. You can take it to the bank. It's safer than in the bank. It's in the hands of the Father. This is a promise that he has made to his children. 
So if you struggle with some type of a physical disability, if you struggle with some type of pain, if you struggle with some type of chronic issue, he will fix it one day. So application point number two. Should have put that one as the third one. <laughs> uh, Jesus is the master teacher. He's the absolute, complete, and total master teacher. He is modeling things for us in ways that are mind-boggling. It's very possible that he created this man, either blind or allowed the blindness to occur, to give us this picture of what is going on, to show his power and how it is manifest in the world. So what do we do with that? Number two, uh, study, learn, follow, and worship. Study, learn, follow, and worship. So study what Jesus is doing, not just the what, but the how and the why. Uh, learn from what he is doing and how he is doing. The, the, the uh, thoughtfulness, the intentionality here is incredible. Uh, follow what he is doing and then worship. Uh, he is worthy of this uh, worship, and it, it is a beautiful thing for us to see our Savior practice this craft in a way that is just unparalleled anywhere else. Uh, on a on a good Sunday morning, I've got one or two things that I think are like that's that's a really helpful observation about the text, and Jesus is just dripping with this nonstop. It's it's just stunningly beautiful. And then application point number three, obedience looks different. <clears throat> obedience looks different. So Jesus told uh, the first blind man in Mark 8, uh, go home, don't even go to the village. And he did not tell that to others. <laughs> so if, if your obedience in your situation looks different than another Christian's obedience in a different situation, don't panic, don't freak out about that. Just here's your personalization, obey his word. Obey his word. God didn't put me in your shoes. He didn't put you in my shoes. Just obey his word, right? He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. So uh, I'll, I'll end with this, and I'm going to be about a minute over, and I apologize for that. So I just want you to see, I've, I've got a list here of the similarities between the blind man and the disciples in case I didn't hit them all. So here we go. Uh, Jesus patiently engages. He gets them uh, alone to question. Uh, he works miracles. He asks what they see with the blind man. It was people like trees. With the disciples, it was no clear view of, I would argue, the cross and what Jesus' ultimate purpose was. I think there's something in there about the tree and the cross being both made out of wood. I don't want to go too far with that, but I think there's something there. Uh, five, he works miracles. Six, he asks questions. Seven, then he ensures the vision is clear. The, the blind man sees the crowd. Uh, the disciples can then see the cross. Uh, and the contrast is either go home or go into all the world. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful microcosm of the larger picture of the gospel of Mark. So next week, uh, Lord willing, we will start in uh, Mark chapter uh, uh, 8, verse 27. Hang on. There we go. Uh, and if you'd like to subscribe to our uh, podcast, our weekly email, our YouTube channel, uh, you can do so at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, you can also, if you'd like to be a member of Our Sunday School class, you can do that uh, there. There's a lesson that you want to watch on, on the About Us tab. 
Uh, watch that lesson. Let me know you'd like to commit to those membership expectations and you're a member. And then we'll finish with our, our prayer time. So write in the comments any of your prayer requests. If you have any questions or follow-up or feedback about this lesson, I'd love to engage. Just uh, follow up uh, in the comments. Uh, lean in, engage, and pray for somebody that's not with you. And then uh, you can either go to a Stuart Heights campus, uh, Facebook page, YouTube, or website later today for worship. So uh, thank you for being engaged this morning. Thank you for uh, letting me share what's been kind of bundled up in my brain and my heart for a few weeks now. Uh, I'm thrilled about where we're going next in the Gospel of Mark. I'm thrilled that we're going to take about the same pace that the disciples did as we go through Mark. And uh, looking forward to seeing and engaging with you next week. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.